will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Well, some of you might remember this, but I can barely remember as a kid a department store named Prangies. Anyone in here remember Prangies? A Midwestern phenomenon. And it was actually out of Sheboygan, which I learned as I looked up Prangies this week. And Prangies eventually launched a general retail kind of discount store. It was sort of a precursor to like a Walmart. Um, Prangy Way. Anyone remember Prangy Way? Okay, yeah, we had one in Sheboygan. Um, and I actually found a commercial from Prangy Way. And so let's watch this commercial and take note of the times that the store is open. Let's watch. Peterson, Peterson, Prangy Way. Oh, Prangy Way's Christmas sale book. You know, I always like delivering Prangy Way's Christmas sale book because I know it's going to be loaded with hundreds of great buys for the holidays. These sale prices are as low as they'll go this year. It says here, Prangy Way's sale starts today, Thanksgiving, 8 to 4, and special hours Friday, 7 to midnight for extra hours of savings. So when it comes to gifts for Christmas, be sure you look for your Prangy Way Christmas sale book. Have a safe and happy holiday season. Did you catch that? On Thanksgiving, 8 to 4, on Thanksgiving. I thought this open on Thanksgiving garbage was part of our like increasingly consumeristic culture that we live in. But apparently it's been going on way longer than I thought it was. So open on Thanksgiving. Well, who would have thought? I guess it's been going on since Solomon wrote, there's nothing new under the sun. But um, yeah, I was wild. But anyway, I remember I had this memory as a kid of being in Prangyway with my family. And we must have been looking in the toy row. And my family wanted to move on with their shopping, but I think I must have wanted to continue looking at the toys or something. And so my dad says, you can just stay in this aisle. We're just going to go, you know, continue on in these next few aisles over. Okay, all right. So I stay in the aisle and I finish looking at the toys or whatever I wanted to do. And and then all of a sudden I kind of started to feel alone. You know, I'm like, oh, I should probably go find my family. So I go to the next row. They're not there. I go to the next row. They're not there. I walked, you know, down the whole aisle, and they're not there. And this is really when panic started to set in, like, my family has left me. Like, I'm going to have to live in Prangyway forever. I won't get to choose my job. I'll have to work at Prangyway. They're going to put me to work, and I'm only, like, six years old, you know? I'm like, that's when my training kicked in. Now, what training, I don't know, but I went to the front checkouts, right? And I told them, I'm, a lo- I'm lost. I'm a lost kid. And so the clerk gets on the intercom and the whole store hears, you know, Bill Verbeldi, will you come pick up your child at the service desk? You know, it's like, so, so now my dad has to perform the walk of shame, you know, coming to pick up his lost kid. And he was so embarrassed that when he came into view to the front there from whatever aisle he was in, he didn't even come to get me. He just kind of like motioned, like, come over here, like, you know, let's just move along. So he motioned to me, get over here, you know, so, but I'll tell you, I mean, my dad was embarrassed, but when I saw my dad, like, come back into view, it was like, all is well with the world. It went from total crisis to like, ah, it's okay, like, I'm not going to become a child slave of Prangyway, like, I'm with my dad, again, I'm with them, I'm with my parents, because proximity matters, doesn't it? It matters whether you're close to someone or not, I mean, when you're a kid, you want to be close to your parents. I was, wanted to be close to my parents, and when I wasn't close to them in Prangyway anymore, I got really afraid. 
When you're a kid, you want to be close to your parents. When you're a teenager, you want to be as far away from your parents as possible. Proximity matters. And then when you become a parent, you want to be close to your kids again. I mean, I mean you probably know this, but Colin is our cuddler. And there are times when you know, we're on the couch and either I'm reading a book or we're watching a show or playing a video game or something, and, and he'll just kind of lean against me. You know? And it's just like nothing gets better than that, that he's just leaning against me. You know? It's just being close to your kids matters. Proximity matters. And today, we look at a name of Jesus that shows us that proximity matters. We're in the middle of this series called Name Above All Names. And just by way of review, do you remember, what do we do to spots on the countertop, to dirty windows, to glasses, to babies' bottoms, to runny noses? What do we do? We wipe them. Very good. You remember, we wipe them. The W, does anyone remember what the W stood for last week? Yay, wonderful counselor. That's most wonderful. Now this week, we look at the I, which stands for Emmanuel. Now, this is kind of confusing because some of you are like, is it an I or an E? And Isaiah, our scripture reading today, spells it with an I, and then Matthew, fulfilling Isaiah, spells it with an I. So I don't know why they use an E. It's, you can use either one, but the scripture uses an I, so we're going to use I, and different versions use I, so we're going to use the I. But I realize it's confusing because you got Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith that are like, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. It's like, could you have just sung like Emmanuel, you know, I guess E is easier to hold. I don't know. Anyway, Emmanuel. I, I got to work that into a sermon. I love that song. It's just so great. Like, you know what song I'm talking about? Wonderful Counselor. Yeah, oh, it's so epic. Anyway, that song aside, our scripture reading comes today from, from Isaiah 7.14. And you can see the I spelling in our scripture reading today. But we find out from this prophecy who Jesus will be and we find what this name Emmanuel means. Isaiah says, All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The son, the promised son will be born. His name will be Emmanuel, and that name means God is with us. This prophecy was made in the 730s B.C., and the king of Judah at the time was a man by the name of Ahaz. But this God being with us phenomenon goes way back from 730 BC. And it goes all the way back to creation. Where God sets up Eden as a home for both God and people to reside in together. Proximity matters in Eden because Eden is the space for God to inhabit along with people. And there's language about God walking in the garden that evokes imagery of God being with people. Look at Genesis 3.8. Now, this is immediately after Adam and Eve's sin. But look at what Genesis 3.8 says. It says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees because of their sin. And then God's on this walk in the garden, and look at what happens in verse 9. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Now, I think it's funny because there are critics that have said the Bible never says that God walked and talked with humans in the garden. It's like, yes, that's true. It never explicitly says God walks with Adam and Eve in the garden. I actually heard a story of a pastor who would not let the hymn in the garden be played or sung because of the words, he walks with me and talks with me. But yet... We have God walking, and on that walk, Adam and Eve hear him, so they hide. And it's while on that walk, the Lord calls out to Adam, where are you? So I think we're led to believe that they took walks. 
they lived in this space together. Why wouldn't they close enough proximity where God can call out to Adam and he hears him? And so this walking is just more imagery of God being with people, being close to people in the Garden of Eden. And we know that it was our fault that that did not last. Because we sinned, we rebelled, we lusted after the status of God, we disobeyed God's orders, and in doing so, that proximity and that harmonious relationship was fractured, and humans were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. We were exiled, expelled from the Garden because of our sin. But what's so amazing is despite our sin, God immediately sets to work repairing this damage. It's our damage. It's our fault. It's our problem that we created. And yet the Lord is the one who loves us enough to immediately set about repairing what was damaged. And we see him set about repairing what was damaged by appearing to a man named Abraham. And God calls Abraham to go to a land that God will show him, which ended up being the land of Canaan. And it's in Canaan that God promises a miraculous son to Abraham and Sarah, who were beyond childbearing years at this point. But God gives them a son anyway. That son's name is Isaac. And look at what Abraham says to his servant when he sends the servant out to find a a wife for Isaac. This is Abraham talking to his servant as his servant is leaving on a journey to find a wife for Isaac. Abraham says, The Lord in whose presence I have lived will send his angel with you and make your mission successful. The Lord in whose presence I have lived. Even Abraham acknowledges, God's been with me. I've lived this life in the presence of the Lord. And then Isaac grows up and At one point in Isaac's adult life, there's a famine in the land of Canaan. And so Isaac has to move his family to this place called Gerar, which is in the Philistia region, which is a foreign place. It's not Canaan. But he has to live there because there's food there. And look at what God says to Isaac as Isaac moves his family into this Philistia region. God says, live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you. And bless you, I hereby confirm that I will give you all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham your father. So he says, on your way to this foreign land, I will be with you. He reaffirms his presence with Isaac. And then Isaac has Jacob, and when Jacob grows up and is old, they also deal with a famine. And they have to do the same thing. They have to move the family to this foreign land. In this place case, it's Egypt. Egypt has food, Canaan doesn't, and so Jacob moves the family down to Egypt where Joseph is. And at the end of Jacob's life, look at what Jacob says to Joseph in this land of Egypt. Then Jacob said to Joseph, look, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and will take you back to Canaan, the land of your ancestors. So now we have Jacob telling Joseph, God is going to be with you. So we see the Lord being with his people over and over again. And it's in Egypt that the family of Jacob expands and the Egyptian pharaohs eventually enslave the family of Jacob. And then so God sees his people in slavery and raises up a man by the name of Moses. And God calls Moses to the task of leading his people out of slavery at this burning bush on Mount Sinai. And look at what God promises to Moses as he calls him to lead his people out of slavery. Look at this 3 verse 12. God answered Moses, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. And then only two verses later, he reveals his personal name 
to Moses. This is what you are to call me. This is how you know me. God's going to reveal his personal name to Moses. Look what he says two verses after promising Moses he's going to be with him. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. That's Yahweh in the Hebrew. I am is Yahweh in the Hebrew. But just two verses earlier, God has said, I will be with you. And so encoded and telegraphed into the personal name of God is this promise that God will be with us. So when we call God by name, Yahweh, we are to remember that in calling his actual name, he's going to be with us. It's telegraphed in his very name. You see how amazing this is? That when we call upon him, it's actually a reminder that he will be with us. And God makes good. Moses leads the people out of Egypt through the waters of the Red Sea. And then God leads them by a cloud during the day and fire at night. So he actually has a visible manifestation of his presence with them. That's leading them to Mount Sinai. And they come to Mount Sinai. And God sets up a home for himself amongst the people, like a house for him to reside in amongst his people called the tabernacle. And look at the instructions God gives to the people regarding the tabernacle and look at how the tabernacle functions with God amongst the people. Exodus 29 verses 42 to 46 says, these burnt offerings are to be made each day from generation to generation. Offer them in the Lord's presence at the tabernacle entrance. There I will meet with you. And speak with you. I will meet the people of Israel there in the holy place, made holy by my glorious presence. Yes, I will consecrate the tabernacle and the altar, and I will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will live among the people of Israel and be their God, and they will know that I am the Lord their God. I am the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I could live among them. I am the Lord your God. So the tabernacle functions as this house for the Lord amongst the people so that he can be with them, so that he can live among them. And the tabernacle, we have another Edenic manifestation that it's Eden restored, that it's God's efforts to live amongst his people despite the people's sin and rebellion, that it's the Lord who's repairing this damage, that it's the Lord who's focusing on nearness to the people, that it's the Lord that's making being with his people possible. And then we talked earlier about walking in the garden being language that reminds us of God's presence with his people and God's presence with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And look at what Leviticus 26 verses 11 to 12 says about the tabernacle. I will live among you and I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. God will walk amongst his people once again because he's setting up this house in their midst. He's setting up this tent house this tabernacle, so that he can live with them. And then he leads the people through wilderness wanderings back to the land of Canaan like he promised once again, back to the land of Abraham. And it's there that the nation of Israel is established. And in Israel's history, the best king was this man by the name of David. And God promises that David will always have an ancestor on the throne. Look at what Jeremiah 33, verses 17 says. It says, For this is what the Lord says, David will have a descendant sitting on the throne of Israel forever. And so God promises that there will always be a Davidic ascendant, descendant on the throne. But then look at what he also promises to David in 2 Samuel 5.10. And David became more and more powerful because the Lord God of heaven's armies was with him. It was God's presence that made David who he was. God was with David. 
Sadly, things kind of go downhill from there. King after king sins and leads the people's hearts far away from the Lord. Idol worship is introduced. Other gods are worshipped in their midst. And so things really come to a head when the kingdom fractures into the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel. And so things split apart to the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And things get really bad when God allows the Assyrians, which is this ruthless army that is totally feared at the time, to conquer the nation of Israel in the north. And so Israel falls to this ruthless army, Assyria. And it's, we get to now King Ahaz in the 730s BC, and he's got a decision to make. Because everyone's afraid of this army Assyria. They have a reign of terror that they've waged on the people. And the king of Judah, Ahaz, has to decide whether he casts his lot in with the Assyrians or whether he's going to ally with surrounding nations against the Assyrians. And King Ahaz was no Yahweh worshiper. And so it's interesting that King Ahaz did what he did. He cast his lot in with the Assyrians. And he pledged the Assyrians tribute and service, which reduced Judah at that point to a mere servant vassal state of Assyria. And it would remain as such under the Babylonians, under the Persians. And so it's interesting that a non-Yahweh worshiper of a king would essentially doom Judah to just become this meaningless, insignificant vassal state of a nation from there on out. And so it's into this militaristic, diplomatic, Yahweh forgotten about environment that Isaiah makes this prophecy about Emmanuel. That the sun will come. And it's, if you read the context of Isaiah 7.14, it's almost a, uh, a put down of King Isaiah, or Ahaz. Ahaz is like, Ahaz, you're not listening, so guess what? All right then, this virgin's going to conceive and his name will be Emmanuel. Then you'll see. Then you'll see. And that prophecy about God with us is fulfilled. This is Joseph in Matthew. Look at what is said to Joseph. As Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so finally, Jesus is born to Mary, which fulfills Isaiah's prophecy all the way back in the 730 BC. And it's in Jesus that we have a whole new manifestation of God with us. God said, I'll be with you. I'll be with you to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And then guess what? He really comes. <laughs> he comes as one of us. And he comes in the person of Jesus, that we have the Son of God with us in the flesh, that we can lay eyes upon him because he's come to us. And it's in the name Emmanuel, God with us, that we find three things, I think. It's in the name of Emmanuel that we find protection, we find salvation, and we find restoration. In the name of Emmanuel, God with us, we find protection, salvation, and restoration. In the name of Emmanuel, we find protection. When God is with us, 
we have his protection. When I got lost in Prangiwe and separated from my parents, I had lost my parents' protection. Someone could kidnap me. Someone could harm me. Someone could trick me. You know, I mean, I was taught all this stuff. You know, don't take candy from strangers. You know, all that stuff. And don't do drugs. But you feel pretty powerless against adults that are around you when you're alone and separated from your parents. I lost my parents' protection because I was no longer close to them. But when I was close, I was under their protection. God calls Abraham out of Babylon and says, go to the land that I will show you. And look at what God says to Abraham in Genesis 15.1 as he calls Abraham to go to this new land that God will show him. And we'll read from the ESV. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. I am your shield. God is your shield. In the name of Emmanuel, God with us, we have a shield over us. He protects us. Isn't that good news, folks? Who's taken arrows this year? I've taken some arrows this year. I've taken some arrows this year. Right? Have you taken some wounds this year? Have you incurred some wounds? I've incurred some wounds. You know what was missing? <laughs> Jody, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes I just have this image of like looking down at myself and I'm like, yep, there's some arrows there. You know what was missing from my theology this year? The Lord is my shield. The Lord is my shield. It's like, man, I wish I would have learned this at the beginning of 2022. Then maybe I could have had the Lord's shield incur some of these arrows, you know? But now I know. The Lord is my shield. You ever seen this stock image? I've seen this stock image attached to blog articles. It's like, keep your kids safe online, you know, protect young eyes, like protect them from the web and all that stuff, you know? And so you protect them, you know, from the web. That's fine, that's fine. But I think... Scripture prompts us to reinterpret this image. You know, when I read the blog post, it's like, okay, I'm the dad, and I'm protecting my kid from all the bad stuff online, you know. Make sure those filters are in place. Make sure we limit the screen time, and there's strict rules about this stuff, that type of stuff, right? So I'm the dad. I'm protecting my kids. But I think Scripture prompts us to reinterpret this image. We're not the adult. We're the child. God's the adult in this image. And it's the Lord who has his shield over us. It's the Lord who protects us. The Lord is our shield. And that's what he says to Abraham. Man, I got two more examples of this. Look at what God says to Jacob in Genesis 28, 15. What's more, I am with you. And what does he say after I am with you? I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. I am with you and I will protect you. God's protection is in Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us, means God's protection. One more example. And this one comes to us from Emmanuel himself. John 17 is this amazing prayer of Jesus. Longest prayer of Jesus all at once. And we get a window into how Jesus prayed. And it's in that prayer that he says this. Look at what Jesus says in his prayer. During my time here, I protected them. Them meaning my people, my sheep. I protected them. By the power of the name you gave me, I protected them by my name, Emmanuel, God with us. I guarded them so that one was, not one was lost, except the one headed for destruction, destruction as the scriptures foretold. So that's Judas that it's referring to. But I protected them by the name you gave me. I protected them by my name, Emmanuel, God is with us. In Jesus, we have God's protection. And when we're with Jesus, ain't nothing going to happen to us, right? 
He's our shield. He's our protection. Emmanuel, God with us, means protection. Emmanuel, God with us, means salvation. It was our fault that we left Eden. That was our choice. That was our decision. And some of us say, well, I never had a chance. I was born into this sinful world. You would have left Eden. We all would have left Eden because we all wanted that God status. We all would have rebelled. And we all do rebel. This rebellion against God started in Eden, took place through the patriarchs, through David, through King Ahaz, and it still continues in our hearts today. We have hearts set against the Lord. And sometimes if we take the time to just sit and think, we'll be overwhelmed with how set against the Lord our hearts can be. Just think over your past week, and you'll, it won't be long before you're like, oh man, I really set my heart against the Lord this week. We all rebel. We all left Eden. But yet it's the Lord who sets about solving this proximity problem. Look at what Colossians 1, 19-20 says of Jesus. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He brought us back to himself again. And then verse 20. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Emmanuel with us means God comes to this earth in the person of Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross, dies, rises again on the third day, and that resurrection means forgiveness of sins, but not only forgiveness of sins, but reunification, reconciliation with the one who we estranged ourselves from to begin with. You see this? God with us means we get to go back into God's presence again. He's opened the way back to Eden. His resurrection means we get to be with our dad once again. We get to go back to be with the Lord again. Emmanuel means protection. Emmanuel means salvation. And Emmanuel means restoration. That someday... Jesus has opened the way and we get to go back to Eden. Only this time it's not Eden anymore. It's a city now. The city of New Jerusalem. The place where God lives with his people. Look at what Revelation 21.3 says. I heard a shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among the people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. You know, as a kid, I used to get all excited about it. The elements of the new heavens and new earth. You know, streets of gold, no sin, no death. And that's good stuff to get excited about. But as an adult, that's just bonus. I mean, that'll be good. But that's just bonus. You know what the real draw of the new heavens and earth and the new earth is? That he's going to be there. Mary and Joseph got to lay eyes upon God's son. I just think about the magic of a hospital room when like a new life has been brought into this world. You just walk into the room and there's like a, like a magic in the air. You know, it's like all is well with the world. I mean, for crying out loud, we were in a NICU with Colin and it was like all is well. There's a new life in this world, you know? Just peaceful. Like, thank you, Lord, for this. One time, so this, uh, this was totally unplanned, but I got this story. So, you know, Morgan, Morgan births Colin in, in Freightert and then they're going to, you know, they bring Colin immediately over to, to Children's to go into the NICU. So it's kind of like, bye, Morgan, see ya. Like, hope you're all right. You know, I'm going with him. So I go with the boy. And um, so there are about three days, you know, where Morgan's at Freighter and Colin's in Children's. So I'm kind of like bouncing between all three places. 
And, and I got into this habit. I mean, it was, you know, only a three-night-long habit. But, like, so I would, like, be with Morgan at night. It would be, like, 10 p.m. or so. Like, all right, hon, good night. I'm going to head over to Ronald McDonald now. And I would steal over to the NICU. <laughs> so it was just me and my boy in this dark room. And I just got to hold him. And it was just magic. And I think Mary and Joseph got to do that with the Son of God. And they got to see him and see his facial features and see what kind of personality he had, has. Right? And, and, and someday in the new heavens and the new earth, we'll get to see him too and get to know him too. That's the draw of the new heavens and the new earth. Not the streets of gold, not the perfection, not the big house we're going to have or the crown of glory. It's that he's going to be there. All that other stuff is just gravy. I'm getting way far off of the topic here. I've got to get back. Aren't you glad? that this is a strange land we live in. How many people had to move to a strange land? Abraham moved to a strange land. Isaac moved to a strange land. People of Israel moved to a, wander through strange lands. Get exiled to a strange land. This is a strange land. And I'm so glad that this is not all there is. That there is the true home out there. That there is the true home to look forward to that we can look forward to Eden restored and we'll get to see him. You know, I told Morgan, this is really depressing, but it's true. I told Morgan that I think growing, one of the things that growing into adulthood means is two concurrent realizations. Realization number one is how broken and sinful and fallen and compromised and corrupted and depraved this world is. It's like you just begin to see all of the dysfunction in the systems and institutions that we've set up, it's like everything is compromised. It's just like, really? Everything is compromised. And so as an adult, you just become more and more aware of how messed up this place is that we live in. And then the other realization concurrent to that is, I can't do anything about that. It's like, I am powerless to deal with that stuff. Like, I can work as hard as possible and it won't change a thing. All the corruption, all the sinfulness, all the depravity will still be there. I'm powerless to deal with that. That's depressing. But it's true, I think. It's true. But it's in that dark place that you realize, I'm powerless to do anything about that, which is why I have to look to the one who can do everything about that. And I have to look forward to the hope that I have that someday this broken, strange land will be restored will be as it should be. And he'll be there with us. We will inhabit this place as we ought, as he originally created. Without sin, without death, forever, getting to be with him and not just be with a presence, but be with a human that we can lay our eyes upon. The human that was born to Mary and Joseph. That's hope. That's hope that God will be with us and everything will be restored as it ought to be. We're living between two advents, folks. We had Advent number one, where Jesus was born to Mary and Joseph, grew into a man, shed his blood, rose from the dead. And now, because we had Advent number one, we look forward to Advent number two. In Advent number one, he came as a slain lamb, as a sacrificial lamb. But in Advent number two, he's coming as a roaring lion. And when he comes as a roaring lion, death is deposed, evil is deposed, Death dies when he comes as a roaring lion. 
Someday we have our roaring lion to look forward to. It's the first advent that makes possible the second advent. And today we get to celebrate that he came on the first advent to shed his blood, break his body for our sake, so that he could open the way for us to be with him someday in eternity. And that's what we celebrate as we come to his table today. We celebrate that the first advent makes possible the second advent and that our God cares about us so much so that he came as one of us. Emmanuel, God with us. Praise God.